This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 273. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hood. And if this is the first time listening to the podcast, first of all, welcome. So glad to have you here. This podcast is for you if you are a creative, you offer freelance services, and you want to earn more money from your creative skills without selling your soul. If that sounds like you, you're in the right spot. If you're a returning listener or returning viewer on YouTube, so glad to have you back. It means a lot to me that you keep coming back. I don't know why you do, but I'm happy that you do it. So anyways, the topic of the show today is going to be something that I'm probably going to get a little sassy about, and I apologize in advance. I just get this way when I'm really passionate about something. And sometimes I yell. My wife will joke, she'll say something like, my husband will never yell at me unless he is passionately trying to change my mind about something that is like a limiting belief or whatever. Like all the time, my wife won't have confidence in something she's doing. And I'm like yelling at her that she's amazing or whatever. This is me yelling at you that you are an amazing person. And I don't want you to fall into this trap. So take anything that I say today from the place of love and care for you, not from the place of condemnation and finger wagging. I promise that's not the angle I'm trying to come at. I'm trying to come at this from the the angle of you were better than this and you deserve more. So the topic today is something that sounds a little counterintuitive. It's the subject of why you can't look to the top 1% of people in your industry for how you should run your business, which sounds utterly insane. But I see this again and again and again and again, and it hurts so many freelancers, especially freelancers in the creative space. And here's what I mean. When you look at the top 1% of people in your industry for like how you should run a business, there's certain things that those people do exceptionally well, which is obviously why they're the top 1% in the industry. The industries that I serve are like photographers, videographers, graphic designers, illustrators, music producers, audio engineers, mixing engineers, master engineers, like all people in that vein of the world. And I've seen it in every single one of those, every single one of those without fail, even within those industries. There's even sub-niches where everyone falls into this exact same trap. They look to that one to two huge names in their industry, and they say, I'm going to do it how they do it. And then anytime something comes up that is something you should do in your business that is proven to be a thing that is great for your business, you will look at me straight in the eyes and you will say, well, that's just not how we do it in our industry. This is how we get what I call inbred businesses. Maybe I'll eventually retire that phrase. I've used it a few times. And as an Alabama native, maybe I'm allowed to make that joke. I don't know. But an inbred business is basically when you just look to your immediate gene pool for how to run your business and you get no outside input for diversifying those genetics, right? So I'm going to show some actual examples today. I'll even screen share for our YouTube viewers and I'll just describe what I'm showing you. If you're listening on audio, you'll be able to still follow along today, but you'll see how everyone looks the same. Everyone is homogenous, generic, and then it ultimately leads to horrible results for that person who's trying to mimic the top 1%. And the reason the top 1% can't be looked to for how to run a successful business is because the top 1% are successful despite their best efforts of fucking things up. Let me explain. Because this is counterintuitive, it shouldn't make sense. But the top 1% are masters at something. They are masters at getting the perfect photograph, masters at getting that amazing performance out of the band, masters at videography, cinematography, whatever. But they are not masters at digital marketing. They're not masters at lead generation. They are not masters at systemization, delegation, automation. But the industry as a whole still looks to those people for how they should do all of these things. And what that leads to is terrible results for you and your business. And if you need any other proof, 
looking to the one top 1% for how I should do all things in my business. If you need any proof that that doesn't work, look at a few things. How's the word of mouth going for you? Because that's what, how the top 1% will tell you they get all their clients, word of mouth. They actually have to turn down stuff because they get so many inquiries, so many clients, all word of mouth. If that works so amazing for them, why doesn't that work for you? How's your website converting? I would put a pretty hefty bet that the top 1%, their website metrics are horrible. Time on page, dreadful. Conversion rate to a lead or a sale, horrible. So if their websites aren't converting well, it's not serving their business. How is your website converting? Is it actually serving your business? What are the metrics telling you? How are your lead generation efforts? You're probably not doing anything. If you look to the top 1%, they're not out there generating leads. So what can we do instead of this? What's the better way? Well, first of all, I am not trying to discredit the top 1% of any industry. Those people are masters at something. So you can look to those, those key areas, those small, narrow areas that they're the best of the best at. And you can emulate, you can use that for inspiration and motivation, and you can model it however you need. But that is the extent of what you should look to those people to model. Everything else, throw away. You have to admit that your industry is not a special snowflake. It's not unique. It's not fundamentally different. Every industry and every niche for all creatives, all of your clients are human beings. They all have their own hopes. They all have their own fears. They all have their own dreams, their own desires, their own motivations. They have their own questions. They all have their own concerns. They're all motivated by something, just like every other human in every other industry. They're all humans. So when you realize this and you admit that to yourself, that there's nothing unique or special about the humans in your industry and the clients that hire you, then we can start identifying what needs to be thrown away from the top 1% of people in your industry so that we can then go to the top 1% of other industries that are the best at these specific things. It all boils down to finding the right 1%. If I need to figure out how to make my podcast video or my podcast audio better, I'm going to go to the top 1%, the people who understand audio and video for podcasters. If I need to figure out how to create a better funnel, I'm not going to go to the podcast audio and video services. I'm going to go to people who specialize and understand the best practices, the proven best practices for funnels. To sum it up, I'm going to go to look to other industries for what best practices I can bring into my world. That is the entire point of the six-figure creative is to bring other industries, the outside influence from other industries into our world. Again, when the six-figure creative launched, it was out of the need to bring other outside perspectives into the industry that I came from, which was audio engineering, music production. We used to be called the Six Figure Home Studio on episodes 150 and before, and we only served home recording studio owners. And then we realized no one in the industry knows what they're doing when it comes to business and marketing and automation and delegation and getting your time back, client satisfaction. They just know gear, techniques, a little bit about people skills. They know a little bit about marketing. They know a little bit about all these other things. And then we figured out these other industries have already figured these things out. They've already found the best practices. They've already done all the trial and error. Why not bring that into our world? And we relaunched as a six-figure creative serving all creative freelancers because we can all learn from each other. And it doesn't just stop with creatives, by the way. There are many other industries out there that have learned the lessons that we can bring directly into our businesses. And this is how some of the biggest businesses in the world are created. If you look at Netflix, they started in like 1997 as a subscription service. They were so far ahead of their time. But if they just looked to their industry, which was DVD and VHS rental, it was you rent a la carte. You pick the thing you want and you pay a fee and there's late fees involved and that's their business model. So if they just look to that and the people in their area, all of the movie galleries and the blockbuster videos and the whatever dinosaurs, which are now extinct, 
for advice on how to run their businesses, they wouldn't still be around as a dominant force in business today. The people, the creatives, the freelancers, and just businesses in general that do this, that refuse to be an inbred business, that refuse to just only have their tiny little circle that they learn from and instead branch out and learn from others. These are the people who find ways to stick around longer, to stand out, to create unfair advantages, to get more clients, to have a better business that ultimately makes more money. And a lot of this is subjective, but in my opinion, this is how you make more money from your creative skills without selling your soul. It's just by finding the people who have already solved whatever problem you're trying to solve, and they've done it in a way that is objective, not subjective, meaning they have numbers to back it. They have data. They have tests that they've done to figure out the best solution to this problem. When you find those people and you implement what they have learned through their trial and error, you are going to have a better business and it didn't take selling your soul. All it took was you looking at what is already successful and then adopting that into your own business and your own industry. So at this point, do you agree or disagree? Where's your heart at right now? I obviously can't hear you or listen to you right now. Maybe you leave a comment on YouTube if you're watching right now, but that was just the intro. I have more to talk about here. For one of my coaching clients, this is what spurred the whole thing. I had two photographers that brought something to me. I'm not going to name names or anything, but one of them was a coaching client of mine. And I made a 20 minute video for him specifically talking through all of these points. Something struck a chord of me where I was enjoying explaining these things. I was flushing out some ideas in my heads of things that I haven't really talked through or really externalized in a while. And it also brought up something that another photographer came to me and had some objections about that I ultimately ended up not working with. So I wanted to bring this up because this is something that I'm dealing with right now, top of mind for me. And I wanted to bring it to you for this episode because it will help anyone in any industry. So let's go back to that line that I said earlier. That's not how we do things in my industry. If you've ever said that, you've ever thought that either purposely or just accidentally, you're just like, that's not how we do things. I'm not going to do it that way. If you've ever thought that, here's some of the areas that I see this happening again and again and again. It's almost always in client acquisition, by the way, or usually the lack thereof of any sort of client acquisition strategies, techniques, tactics, nothing. You're probably not doing anything. And that's because in the freelance world, the number one source of clients is word of mouth. If you ask any successful freelancer, that's what they'll tell you. And because that's the prevalent advice in the freelance world, you just assume that that's how you're going to get clients. And so when it comes to actual digital marketing or client acquisition, you don't do anything because you've bought into this lie that the industry is told that word of mouth should be the number one source of clients for any successful freelancer. And what that does, it's called survivorship bias. I've talked about this before. Survivorship bias is basically when you look to just the survivors, the people who made it to the end of the journey, the end of the race, and you ask them, how did you do it? They'll say, I did it by X, Y, and Z. I did it by word of mouth. And it ignores the millions of dead bodies that never made it to the finish line, where if you would ask them, I just couldn't make word of mouth work. So I had to give up. I had to get a day job. I had to stop pursuing my dreams because I just didn't have enough clients to make ends meet. As a freelancer, the only way you ever fail is if you give up. And the only way you give up is if you're not getting enough clients to make ends meet. So if you're not getting enough clients through word of mouth, what are the things that are out there? Lead generation, email marketing, content marketing, referral partners, affiliates, funnels, landing pages, ads, retargeting, persuasive copywriting. These are all things that can help businesses get clients or customers, whatever phrasing you want to use there. And these are all things that are usually utterly ignored by the freelance industry as a whole, unless maybe you're a freelance copywriter. That's the only exception here. All because of that same exact toxic phrase that I talked about earlier. That's not how we do things in my industry. So this is obviously a broad topic that touches every part of your business when it comes to client acquisition. So that's difficult to talk about for an episode like this already when we're this far into the episode and I barely passed the intro. So I'm going to focus on one small area and that's your website. And when you listen to me talk about this, I want you to think about all of the sins you've made yourself in your own business for your website and for all those other areas I just named off, lead generation, lead nurture, sales, 
content marketing, ads, retargeting, persuasive copy. Think about all these other areas when it comes to your business because everything I'm gonna talk about today for websites applies to all those other areas. It's the exact same thing. That's just not how we do things in our industry. But I wanna give this website example with some tangible screen sharing and everything to prove this point to you that this is not Brian just being mean. This is Brian trying to give you tough love. <laughs> Stop saying this is not how we do things in our industry. So let me tell you about my client. He's a photographer. He's awesome at what he does. And I just started working with him and we're working on his website to help increase conversions. And he was giving me pushback because he said, and I'm just going to read the quote. He said, traditionally, photographer websites don't have a lot of these features, even incredible, successful commercial photographers. That's his exact quote. And if we look to these incredibly successful photographers' websites, which I got a few I'll share with you in a second, they all look basically the same. Before I share those sites or explain them to you in words for the audio listeners, let's talk about what is the point of a website in general? I asked ChatGBT this. I said something like, for freelancers, like photographers, videographers, graphic designers, what is the point of a website? And here's what it spit back at me. So this is just an AI answer. It says professionalism. So basically to come across as more professional. The second is portfolio to share your portfolio. The third is marketing and visibility. So being able to be found on the internet. Sure. Four is control, meaning you can control the layout and the design and the elements of it compared to something like social media where you have no control. The fifth was information. The sixth was branding. Number seven, communication. And number eight, selling products. I think a website, if you boil it down, it's there for two things to sell people on your services and to generate leads for those who are not ready to make a decision right now. That's the only two reasons. And pretty much everything that ChatGPT spit out just now and anything that you're thinking, well, no, it's actually for this. It can be boiled down into one of those two things. So to sell people, you're selling them by building trust that you're the right person for the project, by building desire for your services, by showing off your portfolio, sharing your story, how it relates back to the client in some way, answering questions, overcoming objections, speaking to their concerns. This is all part of selling them on your service that you are the right person for them. And then generating leads. That's one that people forget about a lot. 90 to 98% of people that visit your site, you will never hear from, depending on your conversion rate. Let's just say 95% of people that hit your site, it will never, ever take the next step with you, whatever that is hiring you for most people. So what do you do for those 95% who are not ready right now? Well, if you do things right, you can capture a large percentage of the people as a lead. I'm not going to talk about all the specifics right this second. I'm just trying to help you understand what's possible and what a point of a site is. So now I'm going to screen share some sites with you. No disrespect to anyone whose site I'm sharing here, but these are just three pretty random photographers who I have no affiliation with. I just know that they're successful and they have the site that I am talking about right now, which is the Mason Grid site. So I'm sharing right now. I'm not going to share names right now, but if you're watching on YouTube, you can obviously see these are not people that I work with. There's not people I'm associated with in any way. And again, if for whatever random small chance that you are listening right now or watching on YouTube and this is your site, no disrespect. But what I'm seeing right now is it's just a grid of photos. If you look at Instagram, for example, it's like a grid of photos. As you scroll down, just new photos. And I'm gonna keep scrolling and keep scrolling and keep scrolling. And I'm scrolling and there's just dozens and dozens of photos. And when I get to the bottom, that's all there is. That's website number one. Website number two is a photo of a tennis player. And then it just crossfaded to a photo of a couple in a photo booth. So apparently it just cycles through photos. Now it's photos of people dancing in the street. And I can't even control this display of photos. It's just cycling through. The third website is just a photo of people standing in the snow. And I scroll down and it's one photo at a time. It's not even a grid. It's just one photo at a time. A trailer burning down, a dog barking in a cage. And if I keep scrolling, there's actually, it stops showing anything to me. So I don't know if the site's bugged or whatever. But let's go back to what I said before. What's the point of a website? To sell you on your services and to capture a lead. And if you look at these sites, 
there is absolutely no way for me to become a lead on any of these sites. Now, those specific photographers are probably already successful, but they're not successful because of their websites. They're probably successful despite their websites because those websites are doing nothing for people who are on the fence. The website is only there to show their work off. So it's as if you have a site that only has one tab and that is portfolio. You've ignored everything else that someone needs to have, all the other information they need, all the questions they need to answer. It ignores all of that. And it's frankly a selfish website. It's not intentionally selfish, but it's unintentionally a selfish website because people have questions, they have concerns, they have specific needs, they may even have specific requirements for the project. And your website is assuming they already have all of that information if it's just a grid or just a portfolio. So what's important is when you look to people in your industry, the top 1% who are really successful, you have to realize that they are simply successful and this is how they chose to create their website. I seriously doubt they used any data, any split testing, any conversion optimization. They paid no consultants to figure this out. They just threw their site up and then that's how the site is. Now let's bring this back to you. You're still listening right now. You have something in your business that you are currently not doing because it's just not how it's done in your industry. Maybe it's your website. Maybe your website is one of these photo dump grids, <laughs> a grid of videos, or just your music portfolio or whatever. And the reason you do it the way you do it is because that's just the way that you prefer things done. You wouldn't want to do it some other way because you don't like that kind of stuff. Instead of looking to what the best practices out there are for a website, you were letting your own pet peeves, prejudices, preferences get in the way of creating a better website that is going to actually fulfill on what you want it to do, which is to bring you clients. So you create your entire website or your business based on what you want or based on what you would want or based on what you think other people would want. And you completely ignore what you actually need because what you think you want and what you actually need are rarely the same thing. For example, many people say that if they were trying to buy something on the internet, they just need the basic information. Just give me the details. That's it. Just give me a list of specs. Give me a list of details. Just show me your portfolio and I can make the decision. When in reality, many people, when it comes down to actually handing over hundreds or thousands of dollars for something, they need a lot more handholding than that. They need questions answered. They need concerns alleviated. They need to understand how it would work for them specifically. They need to understand, do you have the right gear or the right specifications for this specific project? They need to have a conversation with somebody because they're just not sure if it's right for their project because they're a special snowflake. Everyone's a special snowflake to themselves. And when you ignore that fact, you ignore all the different things that they actually need to make a decision, not what they just think they want. Sticking to the website example, this leads to something called the template of the internet. I came up with that term. I don't know what this is actually called, but I call it the template of the internet. And that's because almost every website that you've ever been to, especially if they have any sort of marketing sophistication, they follow this website template, almost all of them. And if you're on YouTube, again, you can watch the video of this. I have a few websites I'm going to show you. They all follow this template of the internet. The first three sites I'm going to show you are all website builders. They're website building tools. And the reason I'm showing you these is because if you want to look to somebody who might know a thing or two about how you should create a website, that is going to get people to take an action that they want to happen, it's going to be a website builder like this. I've got Wix, I've got Squarespace, and I've got Webflow all pulled up. I'm going to show you Wix first. These websites are incentivized to get more people to sign up for the platform. The same exact thing can happen for you as a freelancer. Your goal is to get people to fill out a quote request form or to book a call or to inquire for more information, whatever your call to action is. And by following the template of the internet, you can increase your conversions. So I'm looking at Wix.com. The template of the internet follows this exact template. It's a big headline with giant font. It's a smaller subheadline right below that with smaller font. And then it's a big round or square button. We call that a call to action. And this one just says, get started. 
And most websites will have a menu at the top and another call to action button on the top right. That is the template of the internet. If you look at squarespace.com, it's the same exact thing. Big old headline with giant text, small subheadline with smaller text, square button with a call to action that says get started. Webflow, big ass call to action headline, smaller subheadline, square button that just says start building. Let's look at something that's not a website builder. This is stripe.com. The reason I'm showing you stripe.com is because they're like a $10 billion company. I guess they're actually a $50 billion valuation, but they're 10 to $15 billion revenue per year. Anyways, this company has a lot of money and they can do a lot of split tests. They can hire a lot of consultants. They can figure out the best practices for getting a high converting website. That's why I like to use Stripe as an example of the template of the internet. Big headline, small subheadline, call to action button, little round one. They actually have a secondary call to action, which is a good idea sometimes. So the question is, how did this template of the internet come to be? Why does this exist? If you look at newspapers back in the day, which is one of the oldest forms of media, they're all set up in a similar way. Every article has a headline. Some might have a small subheadline, and then it has all the information you need below it. Our brains want the big information first. In under five seconds, I need to know what you do or why you exist or what does the site do, aka what does this freelancer do? A subheadline that supports that to give me more information to know whether or not I want to continue scrolling on the site and consuming more information. And then a call to action so I know what to do as the next step if and when I'm ready to take action. If you were trying to read a newspaper or some sort of blog article without headlines or subheadlines, it's an excruciating process. To get the big picture of every single article, you have to read the entire thing. And the reason the template of the internet exists is because throughout the years, many, 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 many millions or hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of dollars have been spent to use the brightest minds to figure out how to convert more people to take the next step. So sites like stripe.com, website builders like Wix and Squarespace and Webflow, WordPress, there are entire companies dedicated to optimizing websites. And they have determined that the best layout is headline, subheadline, call to action. That is why this template exists. And by us looking to just our narrow field, the other photographers to the left and the right of us, the other videographers to the left and the right of us, as to how we should form our sites, as if we have created some sort of new, most effective tactic available, they found a new meta somehow through some miracle, it's not gonna happen. It is not gonna happen in the freelance world. We are using our gut and our intuition to try to undo what has already been proved through millions, if not billions of dollars and probably trillions of website visits. So obviously this goes above and beyond just websites. I'm using an example here of a website to illustrate this point, but this goes into every facet of running a business from sales to marketing, client acquisition, systems and processes, team building. The only thing you can look to your top 1% of your market for advice on is how to get better at your craft. Yes, there are obviously exceptions. Some people are excellent business owners. Some people have obviously dialed in marketing. Even some certain niches within certain creative fields are excellent at certain things. But as a whole, you will have a healthier, better, stronger, more genetically diverse business if you look to these other markets, these other industries, these other experts who have already figured out and solved these problems that you're having in your business as to how you can actually fix those problems versus just letting the person to your left and to your right figure out for you. So here are my next steps for you. Go listen to episode 189 of this podcast. The title is The Five Business Bottlenecks Holding You Back from $100,000 Per Year. If you're already at 100,000, just multiply that by five. Whatever it is, there's a bottleneck in your business right now holding you back from your goals. And there's only one of them. There's only one bottleneck. The majority of people here, it's probably lead generation, but go listen to that episode, episode 189. It'll be linked in our show notes, or you can just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash 189 
to find that episode right now, find out what your specific bottleneck is right now, and then go find the top 1% of the industry out there that has already solved that problem. Now, you probably won't even know how to find the top 1% because just like I couldn't even identify the top 1% photographer from another, I don't know how to differentiate the best 1% from the best 5%. That is something that only the experts will know, but I can already tell you that your number one problem will likely be lead generation. And I can preemptively recommend a resource for you that is free and or very cheap. That is not even my own stuff. I'm not even gonna recommend my own stuff. So if you are struggling with this, fortunately for you, a book just came out recently within the last few weeks called $100 million Leads by Alex Ramosi. You may have heard of him. If you haven't, you're living under a rock. He is as close to the top 1% as you're gonna find when it comes to lead generation. And so if that's an issue you have, go buy that book right now. You can get it for like a dollar or two on Kindle. I have the hardback cover version that I ordered. He also has a free course out there, but whatever it is, just go consume his stuff, learn more about lead generation. That is just somebody that you can trust who is better than you, who has already solved the problem. They've already done it in service-based businesses. He's actually from the fitness world, but it still all translates to us. I know it hurts to hear that and to feel like you're not as special as Snowflake and your clients are not that unique to think that what works in the fitness industry would work in something like photography or videography, but it will. So go buy that book. That is my homework for you. And if your problem isn't lead generation, if it's lead nurture or sales or fulfillment, or if it's something altogether different, then find the person who has already solved that problem. They've done it well and reach out to them for help or find whatever resources they have that are out there to help you overcome that problem yourself. And at the very least, just look to other industries that seem to have their shit together. Every industry is better at certain things than others. And if you need to figure out how to maybe lay out a website, maybe the sites who are about website creation know a bit about that. But at the end of the day, my goal for a six-figure creative community is to be diverse, open-minded, willing to face hard truths that maybe my industry hasn't figured it all out and humble enough to admit that you're wrong because it took me way too long to figure this stuff out. And I do not want that to be the case for you. So that is all I have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening this week. I'll be here next week with you, bright and early, 6 a.m. every Tuesday. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. 